Happy Monday, everybody. TGIM. Good to be here, everyone. It's five o'clock somewhere. Not for us, though. Well, not for us, but somewhere. Somewhere, Five o'clock somewhere. Uh, I want to thank Jonathan Hatami for taking time out of his Monday to be with us. We appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, For those of you tuning in, you are the the current deputy uh, DA, correct? I am a current deputy DA, yes, in the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. And I'm currently assigned to the Complex Child Abuse Unit. Um, we prosecute children who are tortured, children who are murdered, children who are abused in Los Angeles County. I currently have 17 active child murder cases assigned to me. And you're running for LA County uh, District Attorney against I, four individuals, one of which is the current sitting DA, which you know the three of us aren't the biggest fan of. And uh, I can say that anyway. I have his poster in my bedroom. Oh, I don't know about you. In the bathroom. <laughs> in the toilet, in the toilet. <laughs> or the floor mat too. in the toilet but uh we want to dip into obviously your your campaign uh you know what you stand for all that good stuff and then obviously we'll go back into uh some of these cases as well because one of the most famous cases that you're involved in was uh you know the case in 2013 with um Gilbert Hernandez. Gilbert Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel, yeah, Gabriel, Gabriel Hernandez. Hernandez. Fernandez. Which, yeah. Fernandez? Yes. Gabriel Fernandez. Yeah, Gabriel yeah, Gabriel Fernandez, mm-hmm. which was I mean, two thousand and thirteen, I remember that was all over the news. And, you know, we'll talk about that one and you know, current events and all that stuff as well. But tell us a little bit about yourself, uh your background, how you became an attorney, why you became an attorney, and why child abuse cases as well. So like you said, I'm currently running uh, to be your next Los Angeles County District Attorney, and I'm running against George Gascon. Um, I hope your listeners know that I will be the first Iranian-American elected district attorney in the nation. And that is really important for our community. It's important for Glendale and Burbank. It's important for Westwood. Uh, It's important for a lot of uh, individuals here in uh, our Middle Eastern community um, who want somebody who's going to be in the DA's office who have an open door to them and who will represent them. Um, I've been a prosecutor for 17 and a half years. And during that time, I've handled thousands of child physical uh, and sexual abuse cases. I've handled numerous child murder cases, such as the murder of Gabriel Fernandez, an eight-year-old boy that was tortured and murdered in Palmdale, the murder of Anthony Avalos. Uh, he was tortured and murdered in Lancaster. Uh, we just did that trial this year. And the mom and boyfriend were convicted of first-degree murder and the special circumstance of intentional murder by torture. Um, I've handled many child murder cases just today. Um, An individual, a dad, who killed his four-year-old son, Justin, uh, he pled guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years to life. His biological son? His biological son. Four-year-old. Four-year-old. Man. So there's a really... Can you fathom this type? I, I, my younger son turns four in a few months. That's why it hits home with you. Yeah, it's like four years old. Any parent, bro, doesn't matter. I was wrestling with them before I came here. It's not even the thought of, it's just, I, 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 I don't know. I. It's not for everyone. It's like, you have to be sick to do something like that. You can't be a normal human being. And he gets 15 to life. So he will likely spend the rest of his life in prison. 
Um, in California, if it's second degree murder, it's 15 to life. If it's first degree murder, it's 25 to life. So it still means potentially he could spend the rest of his life in prison. Um, he's eligible for parole at a certain time. But if you murder a child, um, it, it becomes very difficult um, for the parole board, hopefully, to release that individual. Um, that individual is a risk to our society. If you're going to kill a child, you could kill anybody. And so we have to make sure Not that- Not just a child, your own child. Right. right? It's, I mean, I'm a dad. So I could tell you, I have a 10-year-old son. Uh, his name's Jonathan. I have an eight-year-old daughter. Her name's Lindsay. And, you know, I love them. That's my number one job is being a dad. Yeah. That is my most important job in my life uh, is being a father. And so, yeah, these cases are really, really difficult. But that's the reason I'm running. So people say, you know, why are you running? I'm running to protect my children and I'm running to protect your children. Uh, I'm running because I'm not going to leave my home. This is Los Angeles is my home. I live here. My kids live here. They go to school here. Were my, you raised in LA? Uh, nope. I was born in New York City. Um, and I grew up, though, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, I've been out in Los Angeles uh, for over 40 years, uh, growing up in the San Fernando Valley uh, and then also in the Santa Clarita Valley. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, these cases, just over, just about a month ago or a month and a half ago, we talked about the Candelario case. I don't know if you heard about that one, Jaylene and Crystal Candelario. Crystal Candelario, a 31-year-old mother, left her one-and-a-half-year-old Jaylene at home inside of a playpen for eight days while she left for vacation. It's the one out of Ohio? Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, yeah. So she went to Dallas and then Puerto Rico and then came back eight days later to find, you know, poor one-and-a-half-year-old Jaylene unresponsive, dehydrated, uh, you know, feces and just poop all over the playpen. And playpen, as in, like, probably a, a little prison eight, for a kid. Eight-by-eight room, or the eight-by-eight little playpen. And she took her to the hospital. You know, unfortunately, little Jaylene didn't make it. And, you know, when we talked about it, I brought it up with, on the show and kind of, you know, didn't tell the boys that I was going to talk about, you know, this that case. And, you know, it hit its homes because, you know, we're fathers. And to leave an innocent child or to even hurt an innocent child, I mean, Armand said it on the show. He was like, if I could tell you what I'm thinking in my head, I'd probably go to jail. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. here, here's the thing. There is evil in, in the world. There is. And I deal with it on a daily basis. Um, you know, people who torture and murder children, those are evil people. They just are. And so that's why we need strong district attorneys. Uh, we need individuals who are willing to stand up and fight for those children and prosecute those cases. And we need individuals to make sure that those people who are hurting, molesting, or killing our children are held fully accountable and responsible for their crimes. But you, you know, my question always is in these, especially in these types of cases. I mean, there's always murder cases with adults. and But with kids, for example, like with uh, the Fernandez case, I'm watching the defense attorney defend the boyfriend, well, you know, he had mental instability. He had never done this before. I, I want to understand the psych behind the defense attorney. How do you defend somebody like that? How do you stand up there? What type of morals and ethics and principles does it take for a defense attorney to stand up there after watching all that gruesome 
horrendous evidence of an eight-year-old boy being tortured for how long was he tortured for like eight months eight months oh my god i mean and and for you to defend that I, I, evil is not even the right word. I don't. I. I, I can't say what I'm thinking. But. So you know, Gabriel was a sweet, eight-year-old, innocent boy. Um, he was brutally tortured over an eight-month period. Uh, every day, he was locked up in a box, and he had to sleep in that box. And they would put socks in his mouth. Um, they would beat him, and so he could. They, no one could hear his screams. Uh, they would tie him up in that box. He had to urinate and defecate in that box. Um, his mom hit him with a baseball bat right in his face and knocked out four of his teeth. Uh, and he had to deal for weeks with four teeth being knocked out. Um, he was brutally beaten. Um, they took a Brillo pad and scraped all the skin off of him. Um, they did so many horrible things to Gabriel. And so... You know, one thing that's important to realize is that shows the greatness of our country. Our country is so great that even individuals who do that not only get a fair trial, but they get defense attorneys who defend them. So for everybody who puts down the United States of America and puts down our criminal justice system, imagine all the stuff that Gabriel went through and he's still... The, the the monster who did this to him still had defense attorneys, still got a four-month trial. baffles me. baffles me. Be- because, look, I'm sure all of you watching right now, you've probably had a, when you're clipping your nails, you've had a little incident where you cut a little bit of your skin off or you go too deep or you've had a paper cut. It hurts, right? And that pain could be a minute, two minutes maybe, and then goes away. Eight months? Eight months. If you count the minutes, that's over 350,000 minutes for eight months, okay? 350,000 minutes. This child, eight-year-old boy is going through this pain nonstop. Prisoner of war. He was he was like a prisoner of war. Um, he had nine BBs lodged in his body in the autopsy. He had eight broken ribs. He had a lacerated liver. Um, he was beaten from head to toe. They would burn his feet with metal spoons. Um, They cut and burned his penis. Um, It was just the worst of the worst. And so what people need to know about this, though, for all of you and for your listeners, and I know it's hard to hear, it really is, but these are the type of cases when George Gascon came into office that he tried to tell all the prosecutors we couldn't charge those cases to the fullest extent of the law. On December 7th, 2020, when he came into office, he said, if somebody intentionally tortures and murders a child, we can't charge that special circumstance. Why? Because he just said he doesn't believe in it. He said that in the Anthony Avalos case, he ordered me to remove the intentional murder by torture allegation, and I refused to do it. And this year, they were both prosecuted and convicted of that charge. But people need to realize that. If you broke a child's arm or fractured a child's rib, George Gascon said you couldn't charge the great bodily injury allegation. So people need to realize that when George Gascon came into office on December 7, 2020, he instituted a large amount of blanket directives, not just misdemeanors, really serious felony cases. And not only 
wouldn't allow us to charge them, told us on cases that we had already filed that you had to go back and remove those charges and call the parents of these murdered children and tell them that you were doing that. So basically you can go back and take back the charges for poor Gabriel? So not for Gabriel, because that case was already done. Okay, thank but, God. But for, but for Anthony Avalos, a 10-year-old boy that was tortured and murdered, he ordered us to remove those charges. I went into court and refused to do it. And so people need to realize that. These were serious cases that George Gascon now continues to lie about and say that he didn't order us to remove these charges. He did. It's factual. It's on the directives he issued. It was in court that it was decided. Um, it's on the record. And so George Gascon to this day hasn't apologized for doing that. And he needs to be held accountable. Are those directives not public? Those directives are public. I can email them to you. Because yeah, those, those need to be publicized on 100%. social media. They do. They I do. Mean, People need sure. to know. What, does he have any children? He does. So it's shocking. It, it, is, it is unfathomable for a father to order his prosecutors to remove these type of charges when children are murdered. It's unfathomable. This is the type of DA though he is. And he refuses to this day to apologize for what he did. A father is the first and middle and last line of defense for, for, the, for his children. I mean, is there anything you wouldn't do for your kids? No. On a, like without exaggeration, no. is there anything that you're getting? Nah, I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I don't feel safe doing that. Like, on, is there anything you wouldn't do uh, for your maybe kids? Maybe I'm a little over the top, but I don't see why some of these guys are even being able to go to court. Why are they even? I mean, maybe well, justice. That's our, yeah, that's, that's our, our justice yeah, system. But yeah. so, I, so I believe in the system. It's, but I, I agree with you. So I've told people if you do anything to my children. Uh, I'm probably it's not going to be going yeah, to I'm, court. I'm going to I'm going to go to prison. <laughs> you're yes. going to you're going to need a defense Absolutely. attorney. <laughs> I don't even want defense attorney. And I'm okay with that. I'll I'm going with pride. I'll, I'm I'm yeah. confident with me <laughs> and my religion and my faith and my relationship with the mother of my children that if you harm my children or you harm my wife, I'm going to be going to prison. Definitely. No questions. No questions. Every righteous man has to say the same. I hope so. Yeah. Be because you see, I mean, the, the stats don't lie. When when fathers are involved in the family and the upbringing of children, how they're so different. And this is nothing against mothers. What mothers do is beyond what any father can do. Just the nine months of bearing the child and then the birth and everything else they go through, that's, that's, that's beyond belief. That's not something any man can do. Definitely. But when it comes to protecting the family, the children, the mom, the wife, for any man to, to stand against that and then to fight against it, like in Gascon's case, I'd love to sit down with this schmuck and ask him, like, as a father, how do you sleep at night knowing that these killers and these criminals that are abusing and killing children are walking away? How do, you, how do you sleep at night? He said they evolve. He said they evolve. people who torture and murder children evolve and should get out of prison at some point. You're uh, kidding me. No. That's the excuse? Yes. I mean, last, last pol politician to sit here and get, get through Armand's questions got labeled the spanky. So 
<laughs> I don't think Gascon's gonna take you up on that offer to come well, sit here. Buddy. He's not gonna be spanky. He's gonna be something else. Like uh, very soon. It. I, I. I can't imagine that. Have you ever met him personally? So that's an interesting question. So for three years, I never met him once. So I've been a prosecutor for 17 and a half years. I work in downtown Los Angeles. George Gascon works in downtown Los Angeles. He works on the 12th floor. I work on the ninth floor. Um, he's never come and introduced himself to me. You've never he's, gone visit him? No, uh, that, no, I have not. You want to go tomorrow? Uh, we'll go no, <laughs> but I did see him um, a few days ago uh, uh, at, an, at an event. And so that was the first time I actually came face to face uh, with this individual. Did he know who you were? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I think he de does know who I am. Um, I've been fighting him for three years. I was the first deputy district attorney to come forward and challenge his directives uh, on television on December 15th, 2020. And he came out three days later and called me unfit and delusional for fighting for children. So he, I think he does know who I am. Um, but that's a good question. Well, let me ask you this, John. How many years has Gascon been practicing law? Zero. Interesting. You're, Zero. you're the one that's delusional, right? Right, exactly. And so you said 17 years, right? 17 and a half years practicing as a prosecutor, three more years as a civil litigator, and one year uh, clerking for the Court of Appeals. So 21 years yes. in total. Yet we have a quote-unquote elected official who's sitting as a district, as a district attorney. attorney who was voted in, right? Quote, again, who's never practiced law. Who's never practiced. All he's done, he's basically, he's passed the bar. So how are you a district he's a, attorney? He's a glorified attorney, basically, at this point. Well, he's a glorified police well, chief. Hold on. How, how old is he? Um, I believe he's in his 70s. And so what happened is, is George Gascon, um, in 2010, he was the police chief in Arizona, in Mesa, Arizona. And he met Governor Newsom, who was uh, the mayor of San Francisco at the time. Says a lot. Yeah, he's 69, Says a lot. almost 70. Yeah. And Governor Newsom, who was the mayor of San Francisco at the time, brought him to San Francisco to be the police chief there. And in 2012, Kamala Harris became a United States Senator. She was the DA of San Francisco. Governor Newsom, who was the mayor of the, at the time, appointed Gascon as the DA of San Francisco, somebody who had no experience being an attorney, no experience being a district attorney and appointed him the DA of San Francisco. And he was the DA for eight years. And as we all know, George Gascon has turned San Francisco into a mess. It, it, it is a disaster up there. And after he destroyed San Francisco, then he came here to Los Angeles and he's now destroying Los Angeles. How many years was he the DA in San Fran? Eight years. So he, I mean, he did it in three years here. Took him eight years yeah. up well, there. He has well, he experience. experience yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. If I, mean, I had eight years of experience somewhere else, I could ruin a town in three. Years. I, w I wonder how long it'll take him if he goes to like New York or something. Maybe like three well, months. New York is halfway <laughs> done, <so. laughs> and he's it's learning so on the job. Sounds so like about it. incest. I mean, they all just hired amongst each other. Okay, you come here, you mess things up here, and then we're going to promote you into this. Or you know, the way I see it, it's like if you mess up more than you should. You, you get promoted. the promotion. Yeah, yeah they mean, fail upwards. Yeah, so it's fail, called so fail, failing upwards. upwards. So, yeah. Sense. Yeah. So, George Gascon and his group, uh, they fail upwards. So, what they do is they cause more crime, they cause more victimization, uh, they cause more individuals to have to suffer, they cause more trauma. 
Um, and as a result of that, they get promoted. It's like, it's literally like an interview process where it's like, how, how quickly can you screw up Los Angeles? I promise you I'll do it in three years. You know what? I think this guy's fit for the job. Yeah. Let's, let's give him the you job. You can ruin it. Because technically, okay. So he passed the bar. He became an attorney. Never didn't practice. practice yeah. Never stepped foot in court. Was a police chief. Well, I mean, basically he's a, he's, he's a politician. He, yeah. He's not even a politician. Well, he, was a, he was recruited. He was recruited. By the guy that's running the state into the ground, so it says a lot. Greg says, "How much does do you think Karen Bass being elected helped Gascon? Because Caruso was vocal about his support of a recall." So I will tell you this, um, and you got to give Mayor Bass some credit here. Um, she refused to invite George Gascon uh, to a press conference when they had a press conference where they organized a large group of people to start prosecuting organized retail theft. So she brought in law enforcement. She brought in um, a lot of people from the state to say, hey, we need a task force to fight organized retail theft. And the one person she didn't invite was the DA, George Gascon. So you got to give Mayor Bass some credit. She has worked hard to try to deal with organized retail theft. She has supported LAPD and supported funding LAPD. And so those are good things as well. So she's not well. part of the defund crowd. I, from, from, from what, what she's done, seen, I have yeah. not seen that. In addition to that, she, she hasn't gone out publicly and supported George Gascon or George Gascon's radical uh, directives. And just so you know, um, Mayor Bass was in the documentary, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. She is a big supporter of the foster care system, of helping foster kids. She's a big supporter of helping abused and neglected children. And so she gets a lot of my credit for that. So, you know, she, I think, is trying. People may disagree with her here or there, but I believe actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And it seems like since she's been elected, she's done quite a lot of things to help uh, our community and make our community safer. Um, and she clearly doesn't appear to support George Gascon. And so, you know, when George Gascon announced his reelection on Saturday, he had quite a few people standing up there and supporting him. Mayor Not Bass wasn't Mayor one Bass. of them, mm. but he did have members of the Democratic Socialists of America. Mm. And so it shows because a lot. Sunday they had a big event. Yesterday. They did. The Democrats did. had a big award ceremony. But he announced his reelection re on Saturday. On Saturday. Uh, what, what do you think it would take for Mayor Bass to endorse you? Um, you know, since you are, if, since she is an advocate for uh, law and order, law and order, protecting children against abuse and murder and everything you stand for. Refunding the police. Yeah. I mean, obviously I would love Mayor Bass's endorsement. I think though that she may wait until after the primary to see who are the two people who emerge from the primary. And you have to respect her for that, but I'd love her endorsement. I think she's done a good job as the mayor of Los Angeles. It is a tough job, um, but I think she's done a good job. And I do appreciate the fact that she has not publicly gone out and supported George Gascon. Yeah. Because I, I will, anybody who stands up there and supports a DA who doesn't support children, I'm not going to support. I know somebody who has her ear a little bit. I need to have this discussion with him. Sounds good. See, to, there's, there's to bring to bring your name more to her attention. Probably. Sounds good. There's, there's so much 
Amir can do when it comes to law and order. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, we talk about these smashing grabs. We talk about all this petty crime that's going on with this $900 limit and, you know, this zero bail thing going on. You know, the mayor could do so much. So when you have a DA who technically is in charge of, quote unquote, law and order and is completely against law and order, that's the person who has to go. When the re, you know, when people talk about recalling an individual, if we're doing a recall, we go all the way. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't do their civic duty. And when it comes to recalls, they kind of just brush it on the rug and say, ah, you know what? He was, quote unquote, placed there. He wasn't really elected. So, you know, it's not only our civic duty, but it's every single person's civic duty as a Los Angeles county, city, uh, a registered voter to go out and actually vote on March 5th because if if everything continues the way it's continuing under Gascon's quote-unquote regime we're screwed it's going to get worse before it gets better the fact that it was in Glendale just in your backyard and you seeing smashes smashing grabs going on at YSL the one near Gucci that they were planning on doing it's going to get worse before it gets better and we had Captain Robert William, who was part of Glendale Police Department here, sitting with us. And he says, the Glendale Police Department has a zero tolerance for this. We will continue to arrest. We will continue to put these people in jail. But unfortunately, they're handcuffed because the DA's bills and laws limit them to prosecuting these people. I mean, by the time they're booked, they're out within less, you know, less than what, 20, what do you say, 24, 48 hours? Yeah. I mean, we had one person in Glendale get arrested for burglary four times in 24 hours. And we talked about that with Captain Ron Williams. Yeah. You even had somebody in Glendale who was doing peeping and uh, sex-related crimes in a bookstore and was arrested and was released and then was arrested again as well. Within the and same day. Yes. Glendale's fury. I mean, yeah. they've become famous for that. We have. Uh, nowadays with the Glendale Unified School District, if, if you molest kids, you get a promotion and you, you start working with more kids. And it's, it's, get it's to molest this, more yeah, kids. It's, it's the sad reality of things. I mean... Because uh, that, uh, that individual that was arrested a month ago, or less than a month yeah. ago, and I'm sure you know about that case with the uh, John Muir elementary, elementary school. school. That's where I went to So in 2018, too. he was arrested again. He, well... Again, I'm sorry. He wasn't arrested. He allegedly. was questioned and allegedly detained. And the DA said, there is no case against this guy. Drop it. Yeah. Now, Gascon wasn't the DA at the time. I don't even know right. who the DA was at the time. I don't remember. But this individual was rehired again to work one-on-one -on -one with people. With autistic kids. With not autistic just, kids. Not just any kids. Autistic and kids. he actually helped these kids with going to the restroom and all that stuff. I mean, listen, if that same if that same incident were to take place at a corporate environment and it was a sexual harassment case, do you really think that person would be hired again? Even if it was alleged. Well, the company would be shut down. Are you kidding? But here's the thing, <laughs> sure. guys, because it's children involved. Which should be worse. Which should be even harder to take. This person should have been charged in 2018 or at least fired or at least not be able to work with kids again. Children are our vo most vulnerable. And so we have a duty to protect them. Um, we have a duty to fight for them. 
And so our children can't vote. And so the power they have comes a lot of times through the parents and through adults. And so we have to step up and support and make sure that we look out for our children. I do want to say, though, the Glendale Police Department and the Burbank Police Department uh, are doing their very best. Yes, uh, we agree with it. We agree with Absolutely. Yeah. The Glendale Police Department, their Police Officers Association, has already endorsed our campaign. Um, we'd love to have the Burbank uh, POA endorse us as well, and we're waiting I'll on that. I'll call Constantine right now. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to give Mayor him a spanky. Spanky. <laughs> Make sure you show up with he'll that say, board in your hand. He'll he ask you, it. oh, man. He'll be like, <laughs> under one condition. <laughs> I, you got us. I'll take one for the team, man. <laughs> or give him one for the team. But they, they, they are working really hard. Um, I mean, the DA has demoralized them. Um, he supported defunding the police. Well, um, not only defunding, who, Constantine? No, uh, Gascon. Oh, Gascon. Okay. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, he even had a video Police saying yes. policeless yeah. society. Well, Constantine wants like, to get rid of the LASD. So that that makes, you know, I mean, obviously. So wait, get rid of the sheriff. Yes. He does. How stupid. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so. I'd love, takes a special I, kind I, of stupid. I, I would now. love for the police to stand down for like. 12 hours. What are you talking just, about, just man? Just say, you know what? We're not taking calls. We're not responding to anything. 12 hours. Okay, after, We're resetting our... <laughs> okay. After our podcast, when he kind of locked himself in his little hotel, yeah. he had police escort him to his car because everybody... Really? You know, because we exposed him for who he was. So, you know, there was protesters out, you know, at, at, an, at the building <laughs> calling him out. He had police escort him out. Bro, you were. So why did the cops show up? I, if I was a cop, they I would have, have gone straight to they the donut shop. To. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, that's probably why I'm not a cop. But <laughs> but that shows you the police. You know, for the most part, they do a really good job. They even show up with individuals who don't support them, individuals who put them down. They're out there every day. You know, fighting really hard uh, to make sure that we're all safe. But we have politicians. You know, one of them is George Gascon. Obviously, another is Constantine, who doesn't support the police, who doesn't, you know, um, care about them. I mean, also, police officers are getting hurt on a daily basis. Uh, Ryan Klinkenbrumer um, was recently murdered, assassinated in it by his police station in Palmdale. Um, I have two friends, um, and I'm wearing their wristband, uh, Sergeant Paredes and Officer Santana, uh, who were both murdered in the line of duty in 2021 as a result of George Gascon's policies. And so police officers, they're moms and dads, they're sisters and brothers, just like my wife, you know, she's the mother of my children. I want her to come home safe. We should want all our police officers to come home safe. Um, and if we have politicians like Constantine and George Gascon, who doesn't, don't care about the safety of police officers, I think we all should think about that before we vote for those individuals again. These are democratic socialists, mind you. Constantine has publicly said he's a democratic socialist. He has never lived in a socialist country ever. But he admits he's also Marxist. He also admits he's autistic. Sure. So there's a lot There's a lot on his resume that he's kind of filled up. He's also an actor. Hey, a failing hey, wait, actor, wait, but wait, an wait. actor. He was a successful Uber driver. Well, I could, I could doubt yeah. that as well. But see, I'm looking at, I'm kind of looking back at a lot of these politicians that are for quote-unquote, the law and orders are for the, you know, morals, the values, all that stuff. And most of them are either first generation or second generation foreigners. What, 
Whether you're immigrants or immigrants, yeah. Sorry, immigrants. I'm sorry, foreigners. Well, where are you looking at? Here in L.A. or L.A., New York, the the larger cities. Yeah, because because you have. I mean, John John himself is immigrants. Yeah, John himself, you know, Iranian. Yeah, I'm I'm first generation. I'm Iranian American, and so, so you you have you know I think what your what your viewers and listeners need to pay attention to is if any politician doesn't support law and order. If any politician doesn't support the police, if any politician doesn't support prosecuting people who hurt children, nobody should be voting for those individuals. They should not be voting for anybody who who doesn't support police, law and order, um, prosecuting child murderers, prosecuting rapists, making sure bad people are in custody. Um, Anybody who thinks it's okay to do smash and grab burglaries, organized retail theft, terrorizing neighborhoods. And we have a lot of these people. Uh, we, For whatever reason, a lot of these people were voted in in 2020 and 2022. And I think a lot of voters weren't paying attention. And so we need to make sure that the people in Los Angeles start voting for individuals who want to make our communities better and safer. Because I think the issue, when you talk to these people, just like we've interviewed a lot of these people, politicians, politicians is they love us. Well, <laughs> their their explanation and reasoning for all of this is, um, well, if they didn't need the money, they wouldn't smash and grab. Really, I mean that's that's the well, I need money. that's the society we start? live in now. I I I would love to get myself a new, not a new, a Rolls Royce. Should I just go pick one up or that's over nine hundred dollars? You'll be in jail. All right, fine. I, I, you need to look for an I, 88 I Corolla-ish. It doesn't pass smog. Okay, what's <laughs> under $1,000? That's what I was just describing to Corolla. you. Corolla? <laughs> I'm not going to downgrade. Let's say, uh, well, I mean, you could buy, a, you could get a nice bracelet for 900 bucks, right? Yeah, From bracelet. Bloomingdale's or whatever, Newman Marcus or, or Macy's. Sales. Just, I mean, I it's Christmas is coming up. My kids want a few toys. My wife could use a bracelet, I'm sure. Do you really think those smash and grabbers took under $900? Of course not. Okay, then that's enough. But, but the fact that when you have this conversation, these politicians are like, well, if they weren't in dire need, they wouldn't do it. What, there's a dire need? What, what's the dire need? You guys are already over-supporting these people with your government's handouts. Yeah, that's the, the laziness what's, what's the is what need? brings well, them no, to do this. What, what's happened is the government handouts finished... That's what happened. And, and, now, and now the government wants the handouts back. And in order to get it back, they begin to bump up the prices of everything from gas prices to the cost of food, you know, everything. Everything goes up. And what happens is, you know, these people, quote unquote, go in and they start smashing and grabbing stuff. But going back to the Gabriel Fernandez case, you know, you talk about Gascon and him not wanting law and order and uh, the whole, you know, child abuse, uh, what was it exactly? Child abuse cases kind of being. The special circumstances. Special circumstances. What about Gabriel's brother? The 12-year-old kid that witnessed his younger brother. Was he 12 or 16? He was 16 when he testified. testified, Testified. But he was 12 Ah, when everything was taking place. So imagine a 12-year-old kid. And he didn't have to deal with any of this? So Ezekiel in Virginia 
who were Gabriel's uh, older siblings, older right? brother and sister, um, witnessed their brother being tortured and murdered. Um, obviously, they were terrified that they could same thing's going to happen to them. Uh, it's sort of like you know being a prisoner of war and seeing these things happen in your home on a daily basis. And and they both um, testified at the trial. Um, and they told the jurors exactly what happened. Um, but I will tell you this, both of them are doing okay. Both of them graduated from high school. I still talk to them. Um, one of them is engaged. Uh, nice. The other one's going to college. And so, um, and they were adopted, uh, formally adopted by um, Gabriel's dad's brother. And so... Uncle. Uh, his yeah. uncle, yeah, their yeah. uncle, very, very honorable, um, a military veteran just like me. And um, they're in safe hands. They are. And and so I think that we could all at least sleep a little easier that that's happened. Um, you know, obviously what they went through, they'll never forget that. Um, and, you know, all the family members will never forget losing Gabriel and Gabriel's biological father, you know, we had to tell him when he was in custody that somebody tortured and murdered his child. That that's hard to deal with. Um, that is really hard. The psychological um, damage. I'm sure those kids went through therapy. The family went through therapy to just cope with what what Ezekiel and Virginia you said, right? Yes. Saw your sibling, your blood, your own like, and younger, yeah, younger. BB gunned, tied up, thrown in a box. I mean, I just can't. I, he I was just, forced to eat so, vomit, yeah, and he yeah, was forced expired to food. Expired food. That's what I want. That, that's that's what I want to ask somebody like Gascon to sit here and answer those questions with a straight face. You're okay with something like that? If and it's the, and that, that's if, a simple yes or no if, question. If he says yes, I would put him in. He won't in say the yes same or size no. Cabinet. I would do the same thing with pleasure. He won't say yes or no. You know what he'll say? He'll give a he'll he'll try to basically change the subject. Well, you know, we don't know that, if it really happened. No, it's a yes or no question. Or would you be? Let's forget Gabriel. You see why let's you say, can't get him to come sit here, bro? You guys ask these types of but questions. But if I ask Jonathan that question, Jonathan, are you okay with something like that? No, that's it. That's it. Is, 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 is it that hard you, to answer? You, you know what's all? What was so frustrating when I was watching the case again? Um, last few last week last few days it's the teacher noticed the second grade teacher noticed bruising and lip bumps and you know the shaved head and beanies and all these different things and she just to me did the bare minimum which is well you know i called and didn't get a response and you know i left the voice that's a district failure too there's but, so many layers of failures to get but, to uh, that level but ev everything is like that it's like you know you you this mass murder comes out well he was such a fantastic guy i would see him every sunday and then he would disappear for a while and there was some suspicious activity you never cared to look any further into that i mean in this case you're dealing with a child who comes I, I I remember years ago, like maybe what was it, 25, 30 years ago, you guys may remember this story of this there was this grandpa at Maple Park. Maple Park is a famous Armenian park in Glendale. It's where, not an Armenian it's park, an Armenian it's, park. An Armenian it's a public park. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, 
You're right. It's a public yeah, park yeah. With, a lot of, public? with a lot of Armenians there. Grandparents, grandpops. You can't even say a lot. You could say 95%. That's why I said Armenian park. why it's an Armenian park. <laughs> Sorry. Why don't you Sorry. take that, take your, take your frustration on Gasco instead of me. So there's grandpas with his grandson. And they're hanging out. And he says this thing in Armenian, which is a very common saying that grandparents used to say. I don't know if they still do, which is... Like you know, upuletutem, which means it's a, it's a it's, it's an a gra- innocent it's an innocent. When you translate it, it means I eat your penis, but obviously that's not what it means. It's not even penis, pee pee. Pee pee, yeah, I eat your pee pee. But that's a grandpa's way of saying like how much he loves the grandson. As weird it as just that sounds, sounds bad, right? They call the cops on the guy. Cops what? come, they question him, they Is take him really? in for interrogation, and yet this eight-year-old shows up to school. Fully bruised, obviously abused, and yet all she did was left a couple of voicemails. I mean, you, you, our system, you know, a lot of people let down Gabriel. Um, a lot of people did um, throughout those eight months. And so I think that when we look at our society now and we see people brutally hurting one another and everybody videotaping it yeah. and nobody doing right. anything about it. It, it really shows our society where people seem to be okay with other people being hurt or abused and they don't want to get involved and they don't want to do anything about it. And that's just the wrong way to look at things. Um, we all have an obligation to make sure children are safe. All of us do. And so that doesn't mean just our children. It means all children. And if we see somebody being hurt, especially a child. Get involved. Yeah, especially an elderly person. We need to do something about it. So the system, the government um, has not done a really good job with dealing with these type of cases at all. They haven't done a really good job with the foster care system. Yeah. They haven't done a really good job with many things involving children. And so we need to, you know, try to improve them. Um, that's another thing with George Gascon is he wants to release people after they murder and rape individuals. I would rather help people before they do that. Yeah. I would rather help kids who get into a little bit of trouble or in the foster care system before we actually have to have a really bad situation. Cause I think all of us, I, I, I got in trouble when I was 16. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have done some things that, Hey, we're like, okay. Except us three. We've right. never been in any trouble ever, ever. <laughs> especially you. And so we need to try to help people if they do make mistakes, especially young people, um, if we can. But George Gascon doesn't even want to do that. He doesn't even have any programs to help kids or to help young people. He just wants to release bad people. Uh, that's all he wants. What to about do. the juvenile system? Is that I, still functioning the way it was back in our days? So I think the juvenile system, there's a lot that needs to be improved there. Um, they took the juvenile system and it was the responsibility of the state and they made it the responsibility of all the counties. Mm-hmm. And so all of these counties, including ours, weren't really prepared for that. And so we see the way that our um, uh, juvenile system is working right now. Um, it's not working well. We don't have enough camps. We don't have enough support for the people who are manning those camps or are working in probation. We don't have enough good programs for these kids. Also, you have a DA who refuses to even transfer juveniles who are maybe 17 and a half and are murdering multiple people. He won't transfer them to adult court. He also keeps them in the juvenile, in the juvenile system. system. Yes. So you have a mixture of some juveniles who have committed lower level things and then other juveniles who are, 
you know, multiple murderers. And so they're in the same, same. And so a that kid who stole candy is in with the murderer, basically. Pretty much. I mean, I could tell you uh, there was a case of a individual who was 26 who molested a 10 year old in Lancaster. And we caught that person when they were a little bit older. And at 26, George Gascon wouldn't allow that person to be transferred to adult court. His name is Tubbs. What? Wouldn't allow that Wait, person to be transferred to adult court. And so we had a 26 year old. In who, who committed who committed a molestation act, a sexual assault against a 10-year-old girl. They had that 26-year-old in a female juvenile facility. Why what? female? George Why? Because he identified as a female. Are you kidding me? And so no, no matter how so, you see it, it's dangerous to put somebody who is molesting 10-year-old girls in a facility with teenage it's like Girls. putting a fox in a chicken yes. coop. I mean, so that that that's how way worse than that. That's how bad uh, the person's name is Hannah Tubbs. That's how bad George Gascon is. Oh God, His policies are so backward; they're like a social experiment. He wants to take a 26-year-old who molested and brutally sexually assaulted a 10-year-old and put that 26-year-old in a juvenile facility with other that young girls. Six-year-old yes. needs to be in. Prison, right. so he can be brutally yeah. molested by grown ass men. But that's, that's how, what he needs. That's, that's really, how real justice would work, right? I mean, we all know what happens to child molesters when they get to prison. That's not a they secret. They meet Tyrone. Yeah, <laughs> you said it, buddy. Or but, Bubba. <laughs> I don't know. It's your flavor. You choose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little whisper in your. Don't turn around. <laughs> don't but. <drop> <laughs> think when you guys heard that i saw your guys' facial expressions you know it's it's shocking i i thought i missed yeah. I, I didn't, no you didn't miss it you didn't mishear that you you, you didn't miss I, and that's the thing I mean, is, uh, the problem is it doesn't make sense right well but why do you think is, they're passing all these laws against nobody's a pedophile anymore you can identify listen, as anything man, you if want you, i mean it's it all connects right okay, listen sorry for my french if you have a dick and balls you belong in a men's facility i'm sorry I, those don't identify as. I don't care. I don't care. Again, yeah. sorry for my French, but I mean, it, that's that was just, actually English. French would be But I mean, how do you how do you let somebody? It literally what you just said: the fox in the chicken coop. You 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 let allow some, okay you said, yeah. oh, oh you, you molested a woman a you molested a child ten years old all right so what do you identify as female all right sixteen year old female go ahead and put them in juvie with the fem other females yeah. are you kidding me it do, it doesn't make sense how do you wrap your head around something like that so George Gascon you know doesn't care about the safety of anybody in custody and he doesn't care about the safety of anybody out of custody he made these blanket policies and he believes uh, ideologically that those are good policies. And so he's going to stick with those policies with no exceptions. So, you know, the, the real issue is, and I know people have different opinions on all sides, and that's good. That's what makes America, America so great. But as a prosecutor, especially a prosecutor who fights for children, I want to make sure if somebody's hurting a, a child, especially sexually abusing a child, uh, murdering a child, torturing a child, that person is held accountable, is punished, and is put in a place where they can't hurt yeah. other children. And so George Gascon put this person in a place where they can potentially hurt other children. How about the judges in these cases? Do they not have a say? I mean, I thought they're the ones who 
call the final, final shots. Shot. They, they they do. The, the problem, though, is if the DA says, I'm not going to transfer the case, the judge can't do anything about it. If, yeah, we, yeah. if we refuse to file a transfer motion and transfer the case to adult court, the judge can't do that on their own. You're talking about a guy who's in charge of the law. If he writes a bill or law a certain way and it's passed, what yeah, is but, it you think the judge has to do? Because, but yeah, the judge but is technically the, a mediator. Yeah, but technically. That, that, why are they a mediator? To, bring, to avoid to, all this nonsense. No, to basically bring, ju- justice. To bring justice. Correct. Yes. But if the law is written a certain way, what does he have to abide by? The law. Mm? But I, and so people really you know, need to think about these things when they vote. They do. I mean, I can give you another example. Like I'm wearing a wristband of a little boy named PK who was murdered. Um, he was half Armenian. Um, he was murdered in 2017. I, the father, the father, the yeah, father, um, yeah, the father uh, was convicted and got sentenced to 25 to life. But under George Gascon's directives, we don't send prosecutors to parole hearings anymore. So if that person comes up for parole, we're going to send the mother Anna Estevez to that parole hearing by herself what? without a prosecutor. Can you, can you imagine the inhumanity of that? And that is another policy of George Gascon is he doesn't send prosecutors to parole hearings. And this woman has to face this monster again? Yes, by herself, by, by herself. Oh, and we're the only county in, in California that, that does that. Unless, unless she retains an attorney. Yeah, but here's the thing. Why why should the mother of a murdered child have Shouldn't to spend money? I know, I know. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just kind of understanding why. Now, she could, but here's the thing. Wouldn't you want the prosecutor who had handled that case to to go to that parole hearing with you? 100%. To fight for you um, instead of having to hire a private attorney to do that? Isn't that the right thing? To that, start from scratch. Especially the, since the district attorney has the case, knows the case. Right. All the information is That's with exactly the district attorney. That's exactly why they don't want you there. And probably. what about the community? Don't they have a right to say, we want our prosecutor in there to tell the parole board, we don't want murderers released, especially child murderers. So this is all at the uh, decision of the district attorney. It is. Everything we're talking the, about. The here. DA has a lot of power, a lot of power. I could tell you if I become the next district attorney, and I believe I will, I will revoke every policy George Gascon has implemented. Those blanket policies are bad. They don't help our communities. They don't help our children. They don't help uh, uh, our victims or survivors or surviving family members, but another DA can get rid of those policies. Those policies were implemented by a DA and they can get revoked do, by a better do DA. Do you think his motives are to become attorney general and this is his way of climbing up the political ladder is to imp- appease to his handlers or whoever? Because I can't imagine if this is Gascon's doing as far as one individual cannot become a district attorney for the largest county. Are we the largest in the country, maybe, or the second that largest? That hasn't stepped foot in the court. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden just cause all this ruin. So With- he's a politician, and he does, I think, want to move up. He's not a prosecutor. Um, he's not a true district attorney. He is a straight-up politician. Um, all he cares about is dividing our communities, not uniting our community. He doesn't care about following the law or doing the right thing. And so he is a straight up politician. He tries to get 
Democrats and Republicans to fight each other. He tries to get racial groups to fight each other. Um, I hope people see that and unite against that. I hope everybody realizes that public safety is the right of everyone. But yes, George Gascon has ambitions. They're way past uh, the district attorney's office because he is a politician. Um, And so he doesn't really care about Los Angeles. He definitely doesn't care about the DA's office or the employees who work in that office. He doesn't care about you or me or our children uh, or the future uh, of Los Angeles, which, which is our children. I'm sure he lives in a nice gated community. He does. There you go. Vic has a question about uh, the juvenile who stabbed the Metro bus driver who's in a coma now. Are you handling this case? Um, and if whether yes or no, do you know what the outcome is going to be since that juvenile will be 18 soon? So I don't handle most juvenile cases unless it's somebody who's murdered a child. And so all my 17 cases right now are adults. Uh, I do handle some juvenile cases, but they have to deal with the murder of a child. So I don't have that specific case. Um, I can you tell do you remember which one we're talking. About, I do. Right? And so I can tell you this, that at least right as of now, I don't believe that there's any juvenile case that George Gascon has allowed to be transferred to adult court. Uh, zero. I don't think any have been transferred to adult so court. So you think he's going to keep this in juvenile court? More than likely. Um, I think he needs to contact uh, the DA and contact um, the deputy district attorney who's handling that case and make sure that his case is properly um, uh, prosecuted and make sure it's very clearly documented what he wants to happen in the case. Because pursuant to Marcy's law, which is in the California Constitution, victims and family members of victims have rights and he has the right to know what's happening with his case, how the case is being charged. Um, if the case is going to be transferred to adult court, if there's going to be any hearings, when those hearings are going to be, can the family request for that case to be taken to adult? They can. It doesn't mean that the D is going to listen to them, but here's the thing. I, I would say as a parent, you need to try every Avenue you can to make sure that individuals who hurt your family members are prosecuted to the fullest. And part of that is because we don't have a DA who's going to do that. We actually have a DA who doesn't care. And so now we as a community have to start fighting back and making sure that these things happen. So definitely he needs to do that. Uh, He needs to contact these individuals. Um, I also say, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have a lot of power, go to the media, bring this up to the media and try to get the media to help them as well. Honestly, recently, it's not like the media's interested in the truth either. I know. And that's why a lot of people are more interested in coming on well, platforms media, like podcasts, us. Right. That, that's yeah, a, that's, that's probably your best. Now. That's the new media. I mean, yeah. mainstream media is dead. It's very, mainstream media is done. No, you guys do a really good service. And the reason for that is, is that at least on these type of forums and formats, the truth can get out and, and we can empower um, the Armenian community. We can empower the Persian community. We can empower, you know, Angelinos. All of Los Angeles. Yeah, we can so. empower Angelinos to make sure that they know that they have rights and they need to fight for those rights. <sighs> they need to elect district attorneys who are making sure that if people are committing crimes, they're going to be held accountable for those crimes. David Donahue, thanks for your super chat. Um, he says, how can we help support your campaign? So there's a few ways. Number one, uh, you can help donate to my campaign. And people say, you know, why do you need money? Well, Los Angeles has 10 million people and they have 6.5 million voters. There's 88 cities and it's hard to get everywhere. 
And so my uh, website is www.jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Hatami, H-A-T-A-M-I. Which I've pinned. I've pinned in the comment section as Uh, well. And you can go there and you can donate. Even a little bit amount will help. You can also sign up to volunteer. Um, You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And all of those are at Jonathan Hatami. Um, And, you know, support the campaign uh, in that uh, avenue as well. Um, If you want to do a meet and greet or have me come to your home, uh, definitely um, DM me or you know, go and message me, message me on uh, the uh, website. And I'd definitely love to come to your home and you'll know, talk to you about my plan to bring public safety back to Los Angeles. Guys, this goes back to the whole civic duty that I mentioned. If you have a home that you can open up for Jonathan to come in and speak to friends, family, people who are registered voters in LA, do it. Because the more we spread, you know, the news of having this, you know, disgusting DA who's currently sitting in our uh, in our city removed and have somebody who cares about the city, cares about your kids, cares about the future. That's what we need. We need to spread the word as much as we can. So if you can open your doors, man is willing to come in and talk to you. not only you, but your friends, your family, anybody that is willing to listen. Because you have a you have a reason for why you decided to going to this area of law, right? I do. Um, you know, when uh, I was really young, um, I was abused by my dad, um, uh, very physically abused. Um, it was uh, difficult. Um, I, one, I don't think you ever outlive your childhood. Um, number two, um, you know, you remember, kids remember a lot of things, especially very traumatic things. Uh, I remember once when my dad got so mad that he was hitting me. He had grabbed me by my hair, slammed me against the wall, uh, even just yelling at me. I remember I was just terrified by his yelling. Um, very, very abusive. And my parents ended up getting separated. And they went to a family court hearing. And the court awarded temporary custody uh, to my mom. And the next morning, my mom kidnapped my brother and I. She left New York and we went to Florida, lived in Florida for about a year. And then from Florida, we moved to California, Los Angeles. And I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And then when we moved to the Santa Clarita Valley, I was in about eighth grade. And in ninth grade, um, there was a uh, magazine called the Ladies Home Journal. And it had a group of about 300 missing children. And two of those missing children were my brother and I. So your dad had father missing. He did. Report. And he, he contacted the FBI, the police. He had been searching all over for us for about seven years. Wow. And my mom worked at Kaiser in Woodland Hills. She was a nurse. And somebody noticed my brother and I. And they called uh, the authorities. And, you know, now when this happens, there's Amber Alerts. You know, you can't kidnap children. But back when I was young. Milk cartons um, and they didn't. Ha- there you go. They didn't have as much. And so... My mom sort of got a slap on the wrist, but um, my childhood was really tough just because of not only the abuse that, that I suffered uh, and my brother suffered at, from my dad, just that whole separation and whatnot. And so when I was a teenager, I got in a lot of trouble, uh, got in pretty good trouble. Retaliation. Um, I was mad. I was angry, you know, yeah. and I also, you know, I was raised without uh, dad. And so I just had a mom and she worked 
So you, you know, never came back into the picture. Your not really, no. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like just a missing child report. And then when they found out, I think it was more if he wanted to find out where you were. I think that was it. And that I think, shows a little bit of care. No. No? no. You know, most, um, you know, kids, especially boys, you know, they want a dad. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I never had a dad. And so I, I see a lot of kids that I deal with on my cases, you know, who don't have a dad. And I know how they feel. And, you know, I know how important it is to be a father. And so that's why I turned it around. And for me, you know, the most important thing was to change what happened to me. And so, but for me, I also joined the Army. And right out of high school, I spent seven years in the United States wow. Army, and it changed my life. And it really turned me around um, and really got me on the right track. Do you think you joining the military had to do with your upbringing as well? Looking for that father figure in a sense. Definitely. So the military gave me a father figure I yeah, didn't yeah, have. For sure. Gave me a family I didn't have. Uh, gave me confidence that I didn't have. Um, and it was something that I needed. And so I do know the importance of having parents, of having a good dad and a good mom. I do understand kids who get into trouble when they don't have parents. I, I am empathetic to those individuals. And so I do try to look at cases with that lens um, and try, you know, I'm a prosecutor who are going to, is going to prosecute violent cases, but I'm also a prosecutor with a heart to make sure that if we can help people, we're going to help them as well. It's crazy. A lot of the people that grow up without a father figure in the home, it's always two avenues. One avenue is becoming a troublesome, basic criminal possibly, and just having a lot of psychological issues. The other avenue is finding help guidance a way possible, to become the opposite of what they yeah, see possible father figure and then eventually you know becoming a parent themselves looking back and saying i'm going to be a better man than the man that was supposed to be in my life exactly yeah, yeah. it's 100%. always one or the other yeah. and and that's been his purpose and that's what yours like, was yeah. it yes. sounds like it was kind of like you know you found an avenue you found a purpose and you got married you have two beautiful kids and I'm sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, you want to be the father that you never had. You never basically had. Exactly. The best father figure you can. Give your kids whatever it was that you wanted as a child. Exactly. And that's why I'm running, to, to protect them. Uh, especially we have somebody right now who's not doing that. And so I think it's my moral obligation to do what I'm doing. What What's more important than protecting your children? Isn't that Nothing. our... Beyond even as human beings, as fathers, and, human beings, ma male figures, that's our number what's one our duty. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, we used to be hunter gatherers, protectors. Now the hunting and gatherings out the way, but the protection is still here. The mother is there that's to nurture there. and basically help the child as far as guidance, and then the father is there to protect and guide at the same time. Because you you can <clears throat> do the minimal as far as. Not as far as let's say even their the type of school they go to or what they eat and all. There's so many things you can do the minimal, just enough, just because that's all you can afford. But protection doesn't come at a cost. As far as you don't need money to be protective, you don't need. You just need to be a decent individual, decent human, human being, being to yeah. to 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 have that instinct, which we're. Look, animals have that instinct, right? Even the, I, I remember the judge with Fernandez's case at the end says, look, 
to call this behavior animalistic, we're, we're offending animals because animals will never do that to their own offspring. You know, you will never see an animal destroy its own cubs, its own offspring like that, where we humans, we're, we're so freaking messed up that we do this kind of stuff. To our own kids. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate that we need a district attorney now we're fighting for to, to protect us from, from this. Like, I, I, I never imagined in my wildest dreams I'd be sitting here at my age, in my 40s, thinking about, man, we got to get rid of this district attorney who's in office right now because he doesn't care whether my child, what happens to my child or to anybody's child or to anybody as a matter of fact, not even just children, just adults. He doesn't even care about general cases either. You know, smash and grab burglaries, owners of businesses. Uh, we have many people in the immigrant communities who own businesses. He doesn't care about them either. We have people who are committing indecent exposure, masturbating in businesses, defecating, urinating, um, ass assaulting the employees. We have people who are doing that on Metro, you know, on yeah. public transportation, yeah. urinating, defecating, using drugs, threatening women. Um, and he doesn't care about them either. And so, you know, there's a lot of areas that we need to fix and improve. But the Metro's and, sheriff, right? So it is, but but we prosecute those cases. See, so, that's what my, so my the friend, sheriff's hands yeah, are tied. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, they so, could they could stop all this. You know they yeah, can't. They, they have can. the power, right. but they know that if they do arrest someone, you guys. Oh, say, my oh, friend who back. runs a restaurant in downtown LA, he says one of my female staff waitresses comes out and sees this homeless guy right in front of her, has opened the gas. Uh, cap, cap, and he's humping the gas cap. What a she car! Yeah, so she freaks out and she quits. She's like, he's like, he he quit on me because she quit on she, him. She quit on him, yeah, because she saw that walking out of work in downtown. Imagine a homeless guy just humping a car. Like what? I mean, but that's it. So you know, on for public transportation, we need to do crime suppression. People not only need to be arrested for those things, we need to prosecute those things. If you're committing indecent exposure, if you're masturbating in front of people, if you're threatening females, if you're using drugs, if you're defecating, if you're urinating, if you're assaulting people, those cases not only need to be arrested, we need to prosecute. Same with businesses. If you're doing things like that in front of businesses, if you're harassing employees, if you're using drugs in front of employees, you know, if you're doing these type of things, yeah, not only do these people need to be arrested, but we should prosecute them as well. Everybody needs to be held accountable and responsible for their crimes. doesn't mean we're sending everybody to jail and everybody to prison, but George Gascon just doesn't want anybody to even be prosecuted. He doesn't want anybody to be arrested. I mean, I saw a tent in the metro train. A tent. Someone has yeah. set up a tent in the moving metro train. That's ridiculous. Man. Well, that's a mobile home. <laughs> Literally, that's the, a mobile home. Okay. Well Dave, said, well said. Dave uh, says... What what are you going to do with the mental health epidemic? Which is uh, which is what I was actually going to bring yeah. up because right. at this point we're looking at a lot of the crime that's being committed. A lot of it has to do with mental health. What you just mentioned, as far as people masturbating, defecating, urinating, Armand mentioned humping cars. All of it kind of ties into mental health. Now the homeless crisis has skyrocketed, even with you know Karen Bass in office now. Again, we're still kind of giving her the benefit of the doubt as her mentioning that she's going to help clean up the homeless situation. A lot of people have mentioned it being a housing issue, but it's clearly not a housing issue because these people don't want to be housed. It's a drug abuse, 
mental is- mental health issue. Now, people going out and, as we mentioned, defecating, urinating, indecent exposure, you know, as long as they identify as homeless, these people are practically untouchable. What what are your plans as far as changing that? Do you know how many mental health uh, institutions we have uh, run by the county here in Los Angeles? Zero? zero? One. Uh-huh. All of you. And so... Wait, all of you is... A, all of you yeah, still yes, met? Really? Yes. Oh. So we, we have one. And so it only houses, you know, between 50 to 100 beds. And so we have 10 million people in Los Angeles County. So first off, we need to build a state-of-the-art county jail. It needs to have inpatient mental health and inpatient drug and alcohol. So build a gigantic state-of-the-art uh, county jail that houses people who who commit crimes. So it's a county jail, but also it's inpatient mental health. In a different inpatient, wing. Yeah, different wing. And inpatient drug and alcohol. And so inpatient is much better than outpatient. Right now we have outpatient mental health diversion. Yeah, so many, we feed the drugs to the... That's right. Many individuals go out and then they end up doing something worse. Two of them murdered somebody. And so, and a lot of them don't want to take the medication. Uh, so you need an inpatient facility. At least they're in there for a period of time. You try to get them better. And then you need to have a transition where you actually have people working with them to make sure that they're taking the medication, that they have a job, and that they're doing what they need to do. Um, and so it has to be an inpatient facility. You know, right now the Board of Supervisors doesn't want to build a brand new county jail. We need a brand new county jail. Even the best societies have county jails and state prisons. Because there are bad people who do bad things. Do you think that has to do with how more prisons and prison system is becoming privately owned? Does that have anything to do with it? I think the biggest thing is people think that it sounds bad to want to build a county jail or a state prison. And so, you know, you have a lot of these very, very um, progressive or they claim they're progressive individuals who use word salad and they don't like certain terms, jails prisons, things like that, they think sound bad. What these Do these people actually think bad people are just going to stop existing if we don't have jail? They do. Yeah. Just like, no just like they think that. if you put a sign that says no gun zone. That's gun the stupidest zone. thing. I had a job yeah, like that. I yeah. told him, I will not come in here if you don't remove that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you telling? Like, you're making me a freaking uh, target. target bro. Bro. The best, the best example of those is the non, no smoking zones. You put up the, it <laughs> never works. Right around it. <laughs> never worked. If anything, it's actually worse because they take pictures and they put it on social media as in like, oh, look what I'm doing. But see, building a mental health facility, and I'm going to call it a mental health facility. And I don't care what you snowflakes think about it. You can call me whatever you want, but it's, that's what it is. It's a mental health facility. It helps these people get back into, I guess, uh, what would you call it? Into a mental health state into a, a proper state of mind. So if they're taking the proper medication, if that's the medication that makes them, you know, be able to operate in our society, if they're willing to take that medication, if we're willing to tr- transfer them to a place where they have a job, where they have, you know, facilities, th- those are positives, but that requires work and that requires a facility to do that. I think also the care courts. So I don't support everything that, that, that Governor Newsom is doing, but he is instituting care courts which will take effect at the end of the year. And that's going to force individuals who are outside who are on mental health into mental health facilities, which is a good thing. He's lately doing a couple of things which are really, really appalling to me. I mean, you guys think it's an accident? Do you think it's an accident? It's not. So I'll I'll take it. I, I, you know, I, I thought sex trafficking of a minor was horrible. It was a bad thing. I'm surprised anybody thinks it's not a bad thing, but at least 
Governor Newsom stepped forward and also agreed with us that it was a bad thing. And he also supported the parents being uh, charged for, uh, you know, school dis. If you talk in school districts, SB five nine six was vetoed. Yes, vetoed yeah. by. Yeah. I was shocked that he yeah. did that, man. And, and the whole Skittles thing. But well, that makes no sense. So we're, well, we have so much issues with fentanyl. We have so much issues with kids getting poisoned by fentanyl. We have George Gascon won't charge fentanyl dealers who kill our children with second degree murder. This is a person that Governor Newsom endorsed and Governor Newsom put here. And so he's worried about Skittles. You know, maybe Skittles is an issue. I, I don't I didn't think it was. But let's say it is an issue. We have other issues that are so much more important yeah. than Skittles. And one of them is fentanyl. I know families who have lost their children to fentanyl, who their children, you know, ordered Percocet, took a Percocet, and they ended up stopping breathing my, my friends, in, their, in, their, in their room. And then the mom walked in and they yeah. were dead. That's horrendous. My friend's son died a couple of years ago, 19 years old from accidental fentanyl overdose. It was laced, whatever it was. Yeah. It's poisoning. People, they're poisoning people. Yeah. And, and why isn't so here's Newsom my question with, with that? that? I mean... If you're not trying to do any type of drugs, then you're not getting into fentanyl. True? Not necessarily, bro. You could be like this kid oh. that I'm talking about. Was he taking? Never touched anything in his and- life. No, no. He happened to be at a party where he kind of was not, <coughs> not, uh, didn't have the energy. And his friends like, hey, bro, I got this thing. It's going to give you some energy. And you're 19 years old. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh, yeah, let me. Though. Put this under a, uh, um, a uh, what do you call it? Tell, a test kit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, take it to a lab and examine it. No, you can, oh, yeah, it's my friend. Or how about this, Ed? Let me give you it's a more, an energy pill. Let, let me give you a more common uh, story. Marijuana is legal now. Yeah. Somebody sells you a bag of marijuana, but it's laced. Yeah. And you wrap it in a joint or you put it in a bong or you put it in a pipe. And you what smoke other it. methods are there? Are though? You want a list of methods? Can, apple. <laughs> hey, listen, we were all 16 at one point. But anyways, uh, but, you know, you take it, you, you smoke Impressive. it, you smoke it thinking, uh, you know what? I'm just, it's marijuana. What's going to happen? And next thing you know, you're on the floor. Kids sometimes don't think. And so we have to accept the fact that kids who were 15, 16, 17, 18, we were that yeah. age once. Yeah, um, a lot of times we're not thinking. And, you know, the people, though, that are need to be responsible are the adults who are lacing these pills with fentanyl and not telling anybody about it because fentanyl is very addictive. These are monsters. These are people. Because fentanyl is very cheap. And so you have these individuals who are selling our children these things and kids sometimes just aren't thinking. And, you know, they take them and they're poisoned and, you know, they end up dying. And and the problem is it could just be one pill. Um, It's not like heroin or you know methamphetamine. Um, it could be one one hit of marijuana laced with fentanyl. It could be one Percocet laced with fentanyl. It could be any one little thing laced with fentanyl. It could be a kid who's walking in the playground and picks up something and puts it in their mouth that's sure. laced with fentanyl. Or gets and, a, even I mean, gets a whiff of it. We yeah. saw that. We saw that sheriff's deputy whiff, yeah. who literally opened up the trunk, had his gloves on, looked through the trunk. He opens got a, the ziploc, got and, a whiff, and. He's Bro, we, how many kids have kids died from COVID and we shut down the whole country, yet we have hundreds of thousands dying every year? We're no not gonna, mention. We're not going to shut no down mention, anything. Man. No mention of let's, yeah. you know, try to control the border. Let's try to maybe 
put these criminals in prison or shut down the traffic. Nothing. It's, but oh, they're, you know, three kids had the flu. Let's shut down the country. Let's, you can't go to work. You can't do anything. You can't go to school. But fentanyl, no worries. Unless you're vaccinated, young man. Gascon went on, you know, TV and the LA Times and told the public he wasn't going to charge those dealers. Uh, with second degree murder, if we can even prove it beyond so a reasonable what is, doubt. So what do you what do you charge him with? So then? there's there's certain types of you know drug charges that you could charge, but I think if somebody's dealing fentanyl to our children and tricking them and killing them, you should charge them with second degree murder. Two specific reasons: one, it's clearly a deterrent. Many drug dealers don't want to be charged with murder because they could spend the rest of their life in prison. Number two, if you take a drug dealer off the street and put them in custody. They're not selling drugs anymore. You're Correct. saving lives. In e- exactly. And so Gascon doesn't care. He just doesn't care. The fact that that fentanyl makes its way from China into Mexico and then across to our borders, there's federal issues in this that are causing our kids to die from fentanyl, right? 100%. You know, we, we don't realize that, um, you know, we're, some of the things that are happening in the border are really, really dangerous. We have a lot of kids who are sex trafficked that are going from from our country to other countries and back and forth. Um, we have a lot of people who are human trafficked going from countries back and forth. We have a lot of fentanyl coming from certain countries into the United States, and it's killing our children. And we also have terrorism. We have people who you know want to come to our country and hurt us um, that, that they come across the border. And so people need to realize that um, I think all of us, um, not only... Uh, do our families not come from this country? We support uh, a United States that is very, very diverse, but we also support a safe border to make sure that the people who are here, especially our children, are not harmed by certain things. And so there's always a balance. Um, I'm surprised that you know more people don't don't talk about that, especially how human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking that's happening across the border on a daily basis. John, let me ask you a question. As far as LA City or LA County is concerned. Now, we, we talked about the whole mental health issue that we have. Do you think it's a funding issue that we have that they don't want to build some sort of facility to kind of separate these mental health patients from the criminals? Or what do you think is the big issue here? Because I don't think we have a financial issue. We don't. You're right. This is LA County. You know we don't. We don't. No. So it, it's, what is it? Is it, there it, is there a different is there a different motive? Is there yes. is there an agenda that they're trying yes. to meet? I mean, even if it was a financial issue, you know how long it would take for them to raise that money? Let's say as like a uh, public offering of we're opening a prison. Would you invest into it? Would I invest into it? Of would, course I would. There you go. So they can raise that money in 15 minutes. They could raise that money by just increasing the gas another well, 15 cents. Don't give them any ideas. Right, stop I'm just, it. Well, stop well, it. well, remember, Biden raised it $4, but he dropped it 10 cents. So, you know, he did a good thing. <laughs> they don't want they don't want jails or prisons. They don't. That's it. They, they've said it before. Um, they, they, they believe in a utopian society. You know, everybody. Until they feel it on their skin. Well, that's it. So, so you see a lot of people that I think voted for George Gascon in many of these areas. Yeah, now the crime's on their doorstep and they're seeing it. And so they're now upset. And so what I tell people is think about all these victims. Think about people who are victimized on a daily basis. Don't just think about yourself. Um, Even the best societies have jails and prisons. Where are we going to put the child murderers? Where are we going to put the child molesters? Where are we going to put the rapists? 
where we where are we going to put individuals who who are killing our police officers? So far, all of them maybe not prison. So send them to Camp Fox. Yeah. yeah, and then we need inpatient facilities, not outpatient. Outpatient doesn't work. Outpatient endangers you know our societies, uh, and outpatient facilities are lazy. We need inpatient facilities, locked facilities, to determine who's actually really really dangerous, and then who we actually can help by giving them the certain types of medication and, you know, transitioning them back into society. That's what we need to do. And you see the medications, these are for the mental health patients, but the ones that are drug addicts, just having some sort of rehabilitation center where they can kind of get off detox. the drugs and detox. That's a huge thing. And how many, how many days does it take to actually detox, uh, you know, from some sort of drug, 31, well, 41. Depends on the, the drug. Yeah. Too. But the challenge with the detox programs is you're going to detox with methadone and then coming off of methadone, you need another, another drug to come drug. off of methadone and then you need another drug for that drug. So to come it's off, really, of it, it's very, very okay, challenging. Wouldn't that be to better than naturally. to have these individuals on the street? 100%. 100%. That's true. But here's the thing. If you naturally try to get them to detox, some of them will, uh, have heart complications while detoxing. It's not a very straightforward. That's why you have inpatient facilities uh, with, with actual trained individuals. Monitor them. People don't realize that prop 47, one of the things that it did that George Gascon, he actually authored that was get rid of drug court. So we had a drug court through prop 47. Prop 47 didn't just raise the threshold of theft from 450 to 950. It also got rid of drug court. And so we had a very, very successful drug court where we would arrest individuals on drugs. We would put them through this drug court and get them rehabilitated and detoxed and put them back into society so they can contribute. And we got rid of that. So now, you know, we voted for it, even though George Gascon tricked everybody. And look what happened. Look at everybody out here now. So many people are out in our society addicted to drugs and we're not doing anything about it. Do you think it's like, it almost feels like they do it on purpose. They do. It's, it's I'd look at San, remember San Francisco. San Francisco used to be a beautiful place where I used to go for work all the time. And they're handing out needles because they want to make sure now you don't get an infection when you're injecting yourself <laughs> with heroin. Yeah. They're, they're, George Gascon supported AB 109 and Prop 57. And then he went on TV two weeks ago and said the reason he supports zero bail is because our, our jails are too crowded. Well, you supported AB 109, which removed so many people from state prison and put them in county jail. So, and that was in 2011. So, so yes, they're doing it on purpose. They, they're trying to blow up our system. They're trying to endanger all of us. They're trying to gaslight all of us and trick all of us. And they're doing these things on What's purpose. What's the end goal? Um, you know, I think that they believe in blowing up the system. They believe the system is inherently racist and they're just going to blow it up. Um, you know, that I think that's the, the goal of a lot of people who, George Soros supports a lot what of people. What about the? Uh, I have this different angle to it. The way I look at it is, they're trying to make it so bad that the people start giving the government more power. That's probably it, it too. So that's another aspect to it. That's that's turning to socialism. So that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah. it's blowing up the system we have and converting into a system that they want. And mm-hmm. so, and what people don't realize is a lot of people from the immigrant community recognize this. Because many individuals from the immigrant saw it in before. our own country. Yeah. And so all these. We skipped in, all that. That's right. <laughs> we all came here escaping that. So all these individuals here, we're looking at them and we're like, what is, what's, what's wrong with you? 
Like you don't see it. Yeah, we came here because we didn't want that. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're bringing that here. And so, and we see all these people getting tricked. And so many people in the immigrant community, in the Armenian community, Latino community, the Persian community are like, what is going on? What are you trying to do to our children? What are you trying to do in the school system? What are you trying to do in our criminal justice system? All these things you're trying to do is, is turn our society upside down and turn it into more of a socialist society, um, a society where the government controls almost everything, where the government controls our children. Yes, um, and they're so, working on that yeah, now. I'll tell you this. I never had an agreement with the government when I decided to have children with my wife that the government was going to parent my children. That never happened. Um, I, I never yeah, made that agreement. I think what Ed, Ed's saying, and I, that's crossed my mind too, is like create this chaos and then the government sweeps in as the hero. We're yeah, here to save you. But this is the program, guys. You want it? This is going to save our society. Well, what's the program? Universal income, um, you know, 90% taxes. Credit system. Credit, social credits. All this BS that they're, they've been thinking That's about my for decades. Fear. It's a destruction then, of the middle class. That's yeah. what it is. And then people are going to be like, well, if that's what it's going to take to save us, and sure, let's See, do it. when people talk to me about defund the police, for example, I look at that as a big scam too. What is a scam? It is. Because I feel like at the end of the day, this defund the police people are actually well, looking for did they lower your policing. taxes when they defunded the police no did definitely you pay not. less taxes definitely not why not irs takes my money every time well that's no not question. The IRS. That's property yeah. tax oh, property tax sorry <laughs> no, you got a supplemental well, I paid tax that too. <laughs> i did get a tax supplemental. <laughs> there you go. thank you thank you um arnie has a couple questions um he says where do you stand with the gender transitioning stuff did you have a case of gender transitioning or identity issues? And then what are your thoughts about teachers holding information from their parents? So, you know, as the district attorney, I think some of those questions, I really don't have much like control over those. Those are more like school board, um, board of supervisors. I will tell you this. Um, my number one job is protecting my children. And so I don't believe I believe in parental rights. I believe we as parents have a right to know what our children are being taught. Yeah. We, we as parents have a right. My children go to public school. And so, you know, I want to know what my children are being taught. I would rather have them being taught math, English, social studies, the, the, the normal things that are taught on kids. And I'm going to teach them morality. And that's, that's my um, position as a parent. Um, I don't really have any control of that as the DA or the district attorney. Um, but if you want to know personally, that's my position. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that my kids um, go to public school. Um, I'm a very active parent. Um, I'm very active in my school board. I like to know what's going on in my children's school. Uh, I'm also religious and a believer. And so those things are important to me to know what my kids are being taught and to make sure that they're things that I think are important. It doesn't mean that I don't care about everyone. It doesn't mean that I don't love everyone. I do, but those are my children and they're very important to me. And so as far as I think if anybody tells parents how their children should be taught in school and orders them to do it, I have a big problem with that. Um, uh, I know that um, a lot of those bills were vetoed or not approved. And that has a lot to do with the fact that I don't think anybody can arrest or do anything to parents if they don't agree 
with what well, they're they trying their they best were. to. Well, because it's it that that's that has to a lot to do with socialism. Um, it has to do with people blowing up our system, and we we then as a society need to make sure that we vote for better assembly people. So so our assembly people are the ones who are in charge of that. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was Senate and Assembly, right? And when Senate, we sat down with Portentino and asked him to veto that bill SB five nine six, he said, "Why would I veto it? I'm protecting." Uh, I'm protecting the teachers and staff. So what about protecting the parents? Why don't you include parents in that bill? Right. No. And, and he kind of twiddled his fingers and was like, well, no, this is how I wrote the bill. Well, when we asked him to redline it, he said, sure, send me a draft. So we sat down with a couple of parents and we redlined it. And we redlined it to the point where we kind of implemented the state law into harassment. Because... He was very, he, he included harassment and he included annoyance as well. Well, what annoys me may not annoy you. What annoys Armand may not annoy Edgar. So when we redlined that and we sent it to him, he didn't get back to us. Follow up, follow up, follow up. And he decided to follow up with us the day before he shows up to the state to present SB 596. Now that was vetoed, thank God, by, um, by the governor. But, you know, it, it just shows you that, you know, who, who does he care for? He doesn't care about himself. No. He no. cares about the unions, the socialistic unions that are basically endorsing him and filling his pockets up. You, you mentioned yourself, you know, you're about parental rights. You're about, you're about moral, certain values. Jonathan, are you, what are you registered as? I'm a Democrat. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> you see that, ladies and gentlemen? We have a Democrat <laughs> sitting with us. We have, a, we have a Democrat sitting with us who believes in parental rights. It's not about being a right-wing extremist when you want parental rights, when you want transparency. But it's sad as, because in our area, that's what you're labeled as. It's, you're labeled by certain individuals who are the actual right. radicalists. You're not, that's what it is. It's not yep. political to want to be a good dad. It's not political to want I mean, to be a good mom. Those aren't, those aren't political it's things. It's a moral duty. And, right, <laughs> and so they're turning it into political to, to justify their arguments um, and that's what you all need to fight. You all need to, to vote on better assembly persons. You know, my person is Tom Lackey and he's a, he, he, he was one of the only ones who supported sex trafficking to a minor being a serious felony before, you know, everybody else changed their, 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 uh, votes. You need to vote, vote, uh, yes. And Antelope Valley, you need to vote for people in the Senate who are more looking out for you. You need to vote for better people in the school board. S local school boards are very, very powerful. And very, very important. We position. recently found out. Yeah. See, the thing is, a lot of us didn't know the power of the school district until they decided that the parents were the criminals. Right. I mean, and that they could hide. Now, imagine if your child is having a conversation with another adult about their sexuality and you're left in the dark about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, that wouldn't happen with me. Um, I, I will let you know, or, or my wife. Um, so when we talk about dads, I can tell you my wife is also a kick-ass mom and um, she carries a gun uh, and she's a police officer. <laughs> I'm sure you're a Democrat. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> she's not, she's yeah, not. Yeah, so so we're both Democrats, um, but we're Kennedy Wait, your Dem wife is a Democrat? We're, we're Kennedy Democrats. What so, does it matter? No, no because, no, because this, I've is, this is- I've this heard is, you introduce her. Yeah, this Republican. is the- No, no, yeah. no. This is the big, big misinformation mm -hmm. that's being spewed out there. This is no longer a political partisan issue anymore. 
It's not because there are Democrats who are logical. There are Republicans who are logical. Exactly. And then, yeah, you have the far right extremists who are, I'm not, and I'm, we're saying this on air, who are crazy. And then you have the far left extremists who are crazy. Exactly. They're creating a divide here and they're trying to pin everybody against each other. If you have nothing to hide, if you are not, you have nothing, you're not afraid of anything. And we said this, you know, on uh, Jesse, I said it on Jesse Waters, not Jesse Waters, on uh, the radio show that I was on, 8.70 a.m. If you have nothing to hide, you'll sit down and you'll have a conversation with people because there's nothing to hide. You as, you know, a registered Democrat running for the DA have nothing to hide. You're being as transparent as possible. The divide is good versus evil at this point. Exactly. That's what it is. It's the people that want to harm not only your children, but society. And I'm not beholden to my party. I'm beholden to all of you. And that's part of the problem is we have too many elected officials that are doing things because of their party instead of doing things because of the voters. And you vote in people, you can vote out people. And politicians are supposed to support the people and support the ideals of people. And one of those things as a DA is following the law. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people say, you know, I'm pro-death penalty, I'm anti-death penalty, I'm pro-following the law. And so I am a Democrat, but I'm a Democrat who believes in following the law. And capital punishment was passed in 2012. It was passed again in 2016. It's the will of the voters. So it doesn't matter what my political party is. It doesn't matter what my political party believes in or doesn't believe in. It matters what the people voted for and believe in. And it matters supporting the people's will. Um, And so those are important. Same with parental rights. The majority of Angelinos support parental rights. They do. They do. Because parents want a right in parenting their children. There is. It shouldn't even be questioned. Correct. Well, that's the what fact I mean. that it's, it's being questioned it's, is freaky. It, it sounds, it, and that's the thing is what happens is, is these radicals on either side get us questioning normal, normal values. And we start thinking, you know, and you know, when they talk about sex trafficking of a minor and, and you're like, that's bad. Who, who thinks that that's good? And so what they do is they turn words around. They, they made, make word salad of things. They flip things around. And then, you know, you get, you'll get assembly members and, and senators who are like, hey, this is wrong. This is bad. And what they do is then they go back to their party to see if they're okay with changing it. That's not what should happen. They should, they should look at their constituents and from their constituents make decisions about what they're going to do. Absolutely. What else, uh, we, what else we got from, from our viewers? Dave has a question. Um, if you can cite a few or any cases in which uh, you supported an alternative outcome that did not involve convictions or incarcerations, um, you wants to know if you ever gave someone a second chance. I did. Uh, and I can tell you a lot of different cases. I've been in the office 17 and a half years. Um, there was a case of a woman in Pasadena who had abused her child, but the child recovered. And um, she wasn't here in the country legally, but she had been here about 40 years. And she had other kids here as well. And so we worked through the process on that case. She admitted guilt right away. The child recovered. Uh, we got her into numerous programs. Um, we got her into parenting programs. She got a job. Um, she got herself back on her feet. It was through like a four-year process and I ended up um, dismissing the felonies. She, she pled to a misdemeanor, and then we got the misdemeanors dismissed. And so she's now back in society. Her child's recovered. 
She's not going to get removed from the country. I don't believe in removing parents from the country. I just don't. People can disagree with me on that, but I'm very supportive of children. And so if you're here legally or illegally, if you have children in this country, I'm not for parents to get removed out of this country and then have those kids without any parents. And so, but she's now a productive member of society. She's not, she doesn't have a felony. She didn't so get removed. Success story. Very yeah. success. Uh, I have another case of a 16 year old boy um, who murdered his two year old. And those his two year old? What? And those 16 are 16 year old? And the mom was 15. Oh, those are very hard man. cases. They're um, all children. Basically. Yes. And the 16 year old admitted it. Um, he, he admitted guilt right away. Um, that 16 year old had been through so much trauma as a child. Just his parents were horrendous. Um, he had been through so much, uh, as a child. And at first I filed that as a transfer motion because, you know, you have a 16 year old killing a two year old. Um, and this was before George Gascon, both of these cases were, and we worked through the process. I worked with the defense attorney. I worked with different programs. I worked with the judge. I worked with the parents. We ended up getting uh, that 16 year old, a huge long program, years long program. And I allowed, I removed the transfer motion and allowed him to plead guilty to murder in juvenile court. And so he'll have a chance to get out when he's 25. And, you know, I told him, you have a chance. Um, and so these are cases that were done way before George Gascon. These are, I can cite numerous cases. You know, we can go into so many cases that I've given people a second chance. Um, people don't realize that um, overall, uh, I have a heart. I care about people. Now, if you're intentionally torturing and murdering children, that's different. If you're intentionally sexually molesting children, that's different. No heart there. No, no, None. no. I, those people should be prosecuted and they should never be released. To the fullest extent yes. of the law. But a good prosecutor doesn't say I'm not going to charge things at the beginning. That's somebody who's lazy, who doesn't know their job. Because you don't know about the case. All you know is what the evidence is at the time. A good prosecutor charges those cases. And then slowly. And then slowly goes through the process. And it's called mitigation. And you look and see, are there, is this person amenable to rehabilitation? Did this person admit their crime? Did this person have a not real bad record? Or did this person have a really horrible childhood? Um, is this person somebody who's sorry about what happened, realizes what they did is wrong? And is there something we can do to help them as well? And if you can go through the process and come to those determinations, then yeah, we want to help individuals um, get rehabilitated. And so I always find it interesting that people like that person thinks just because I prosecute these really, really horrendous cases um, that I can't cite so many cases. And here's the most important thing. George Gascon has no cases because he's never done any. He talks, 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 but he doesn't walk, 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 walk. It's actions, not words. He has words. He talks about reforms. He's never done it. He talks about bail. He's never done a bail deviation motion. He talks about juveniles. He's never had a juvenile who committed a crime and he went through the process. He talks about reforms and giving people a second chance. He's never given anybody a second chance because he's never done one case. And that's the problem with, with Los Angeles. I think he gives everybody just 20 chances in a, yeah. se in a sense. Well, the I problem just, is he's just, never in court. He, doesn't, <laughs> he, he, he orders people to do that. But you know what? If you really believe in your policies, get into court. You, I learned in the army, you lead from the front and you lead by example. And that means if you order people to do something, you should do it too. You should never tell your employees to do something that you've never done yourself. And as the DA, you plan on still being in court. Yes. I, you know, I've told people that 
Every once in a while, I'll go down to the criminal courts building and grab a prelim as the DA, small case, and show all my troops that I, that, that I can handle a prelim. Um, if there's a trial, you know, I'm not any better than anybody else. So like I told you, under God, everybody's equal. And so you need to put in the work as well. Just because I'm the DA doesn't mean that I'm better or special than anybody else. Um, and so that's it. I, I love those questions because I can give you so many examples of individuals that I've helped, individuals that have been rehabilitated. And those cases happened way before George Gascon. I mean, I'm not even an attorney. I think I've been in criminal court more than George Gascon has. <laughs> I mean, speaking of criminal court, uh, Judge Harrison, amazing individual, amazing woman. Yeah. At LA County, at uh, LA City Court. If I'm ever in criminal court, I hope you're my judge. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not. But but speaking of what you just said, I mean, it's kind of somewhat unrelated, but related. When you say you have to lead your troops and be in the front lines, that, I think that's what presidents and prime ministers need to do. Is if you want to go to war, you send two thousand troops. You better be in the front lines with these people. True with leaders. These soldiers. Exactly. Don't sit in the comfort of your Oval Office or whatever cabinet and, yeah, we're sending 20,000 troops to um, go, um, in, what do they call it? Like, go F, F yourself, you know? Well, more, it's nowadays it's more like $80 billion. <laughs> the, Stop the, it. The money Let's that, not get 80, into that this. 81 is a very. <laughs> the, one, the money doesn't bother me as much as. It bothers me because we end up paying for it. No, I understand. No, no, no. But it just adds on to the national when, debt. When you, realize. yeah, when, yeah, that's just a number in the it's system. It's a number that's, we're yeah. never going to catch. That's why when I visit my account and I ask him, how much do I owe Ukraine? Yeah, I, I just paid an 8300 to Ukraine. To Ukraine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't want to know what I paid. But Congratulations. Vic has, a, Vic has a great question. Don't worry, to ask for more. <laughs> <laughs> he says, if you're elected and revoke Gascon's blank, blanket laws, how will you deal with all the ADL and the nonprofit organizations that enable these socialist woke agendas or laws? You know, the DA has a large amount of power. And so people, you know, ask me, well, we, well what do you think, John? Can you prosecute your way out of this? My response to that is I am a prosecutor. So I prosecute cases. If we want to deal with all the ills of society, it should happen before we get to the DA's office, before people are murdering people, before people are raping people. If if those nonprofits and other organizations want to really help, they should help with the foster care system. They should help with people addicted to drug and alcohol. They should help with the educational system. Let's try to help people before they commit these crimes. Because once they get to the DA's office, my number one job is to make sure all of you are safe, to make yeah. sure that person who's doing something bad is prosecuted so they can't hurt somebody else. It's also to make sure that that person who is victimized gets justice. And it's also important to make sure that the person who commits the crime is held accountable. But I will meet with anybody like I'm here. I'll collaborate with anybody. I'll talk to anybody. You never know. Every once in a while, somebody may tell you something and you may change your opinion or change change you know your thought process. Um, I do believe in a lot of um, nonprofit organizations, especially when it comes to helping children and helping the foster care system. John, with the homeless crisis going on now, I don't know how much power you have as a future DA. What can we do? Because a lot of times when you talk to the police department and you talk to these politicians, they say, well, being homeless isn't really a crime. Well, we understand that much. But when certain homeless are squatting in certain homes and you try to get them out or you know they're out and about in the streets creating causing havoc doing drugs what are your plans there with the homeless crisis so i've heard that before being homeless isn't a crime i agree with that 
but being homeless and committing crimes are crimes. Being non-homeless and committing crimes are crimes. So if you commit indecent exposure, if you're homeless or not, it's still indecent exposure. If you're doing drugs and having needles and, and, and congregating in places right by schools, that's still a crime, even if you're homeless or not. Because you look at Skid Row, Skid Row is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible place to end up. And you see, you know, people defecating there. You see used needles. You see- Vaccinating one another. Yeah. It's you inhumane. See, yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on. And the sad part of all this is, you know, there's video clips online where you see children there as well now. So, you know, what is what are your thoughts on that? How are we going to be cracking down on, you know, areas like Skid Row where it's out and about? It's there. It's, you, we see it. So George Gascon believes in open air drug markets. I don't. George Gascon believes in giving people drugs and allowing them to use drugs outside in the community. I don't. And so people who are using drugs, they're going to be arrested and detained, and we're going to get them into programs. We're either going to get them into programs through care courts, or we're going to get them into programs through, through actual court systems, through collaborative courts. But we're not going to leave people out in society using drugs, inhumane situations, abusing others or abusing themselves. We're going to actually do something about it. And, and right now do they're not doing that. programs exist and they're just not being utilized? They do, or? yes. We have a lot of nonprofit programs. We're going to have the care courts, which are going to be instituted in December. We have collaborative courts, which are around right now. We have veterans court um, up in Antelope Valley and other places with help, help veterans who are addicted to drugs or have PTSD. Um, and veterans court collaborates with other nonprofits as well. And so that requires work. But remember this, we're dealing with the DA who has no experience. So he has no idea about any of these courts because he's never done it. And that's the problem is so many people believe in this guy, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He's never done any of these things. He's never got somebody off of drugs and helped them. He's never put them in a drug court or a program. Anita. He's never helped a juvenile. Yeah. He's never done any of these things. And a lot of these people, you know, you look at them, they want to live on the streets. They don't want the help. Now, being admitted into a medical facility or, you know, being under, you know, doctor care or nurse practitioner care or physician care. I mean, are we going to be able to avoid them asking for, you know, the AMA against medical advice and kind of relinquish themselves from the rehab centers or from the drug abuse centers? Care courts will force them. Okay. So the ACLU is against it, but it's going to happen. So they can't go AMA, right? No. Okay, good. Okay. That's, 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 that's very, very important. important. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. You want to read? Which one were you referring Anita, to? Anita, the probation officer. Yeah. Uh, okay, says uh, Anita, as a probation officer, I can tell you that we have the camps. We used to have the programs, and it has become all political. She's she's right. Here, here's the first problem is a lot of politicians have stopped caring about probation and probation officers. So a lot of the probation officers are like the police. They feel like um, they're, they're left de- out. Yeah, they're left out. They're demoralized. Many probation officers are getting attacked and hurt, and no one's doing anything about it. They're not providing them with protection. They're not providing them with, you know, the proper support. Um, and Training they, maybe? And they feel, well, they feel like nobody's looking out for them. And the police are the same way. We need to have a DA who says, we care about juveniles, but if juveniles are hurting probation officers, they need to be charged as well. We can't allow juveniles to be attacking probation officers. That's not fair and it's not right. Of course not. Police officers and probation officers still deserve public safety as well. Um uh, the probation officers also write about everything being very political. When it shifted from the state to the county, I think a lot of this became a mess. And it seems like some people in the county don't want to help with public safety. They don't want to do it. They, they are, they're so much into um, how things look 
instead of actually having effective programs that they're ending up endangering the juveniles and and endangering their probation officer. We just had an individual who I think was 21 in the juvenile camps who was selling fentanyl to kids and killed one of them. Why is the 21 in the f- juvenile system? Because they, you could be in that system up to 25. 25 yeah. true, that's true. And, that's, and that's the problem with some of these individuals who are really dangerous being in, in areas with other individuals who aren't as dangerous. And you can maybe identify as a 17-year-old and then, you know, I want to identify as 67 and get my SSI going, bro. How guys, does that work? Do you guys remember like Maury and all these other like kind of daytime uh, talk, talk, talk shows that used to have these kids where, you know, they would act up, but they would put them in like these boot camps yeah, or they would yeah. put them in like a yeah, prison the, system. Like and a military like a, type Or of, yeah. even a prison system. To I see, remember like, one of those episodes. It was really bad. Yeah, remember when, I, I put up a video for it. Yeah. But, you know, they would put these kids into these you know, military camps, boot camps, or even these uh, prison systems where uh, they would see what it's like to go to jail if you continue acting up a certain way. I mean, everything has become so soft where they don't do that stuff anymore. They let these kids act up however they want. Now, majority of those kids, you looked at them, a lot of them didn't have fathers, lack of father figure at home, which, you know, we was there was a video we posted where a... Uh, a drill sergeant walked up to a kid, yelled in his ear, and he says, you know, do you want me to be your daddy for the next six months? And this kid says, yes. And he wasn't That's expecting that a, answer. Yeah. And he kind of stuttered. He goes, you you do? He goes, yeah. And he goes, why do you want me to be your daddy? He goes, because I don't have a dad. So it's there, there's a big issue. It actually backfired on the guy. He it, was it, shocked. Well, I don't want to say backfired. I didn't backfire because I, I guarantee you this. Man. Well, he I gave don't him know, a beautiful I don't know hug, where man. that kid is today, but I promise you that kid got help. He got something, you know, he got help for sure. But Because he asked the right way in a sense. I think the problem is, is that society nowadays, these politicians, these career politicians aren't out looking for helping these kids, helping these families. They're there to line up their pockets to get yeah. their next job. Yeah, they 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 they're not doing it to help the public. Yeah, they're doing it to help themselves. And it's creating yeah. a domino effect where this kid is raised without the right, you know, parental figures, whether it's a mother or a father, and you know they grow up and you know majority of them take the wrong avenues, and especially the boys. And when they look for a father figure. Some of them look into gang members. Some of them look into drug dealers, and it just continues on and on and on. And it gets and it's like a cancer. It continues to grow. But you know, we need to do our civic duties. We need to take the actual cancer out of our society and put in the right people. And you know, we've sat here for two out almost two hours with you, and you know, everything you've said has been you know the complete opposite of what Gascon has been doing. And for the past three years, we've seen what's been happening in L.A. It's, it's completely deteriorating. I, I, I think one solution to what you're saying, which Levy kind of touched yeah, on that, yeah. he says, as long as you have a group of employees who are being paid 250000 a year to fix homelessness. It's never getting fixed. Why fixed it? But I think, it, see, I, I'm an advocate of you can make as much money as you want, but there needs to be an incentive program. You can't come in and we pay you 150000 a year, 200000 a year for just doing a job. No, we'll pay you 60000 a year. Now, if you fix the homeless, if we have 60,000 homeless in California, you bring that down to 40,000, you meaning you, the department, whoever it is, 
Now you get bonuses. Bonuses. You get a 40, whatever that bonus is. You can make more than the salary you're making, but you have to make a positive difference. But the problem is these guys are just, you know. No incentive. There's no incentive. It's like, well, why? if I get rid of this program, if I fix it, like Levick said, I'm not going to be making I'm be out of a job anymore. They're not going to have a job yeah, anymore. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be I'm going to be cleaning freeways for 60 grand a year. <laughs> but that's it. It it's people are always looking for their job or their second job instead of fixing uh what's wrong. I will tell you this. I do believe I'm going to be the next district attorney and you have my word that we'll do another one of these and we can do it at will the Hall of will, Justice after I become DA and you can ask you'll me all still these respond same, to us. I will. I will. Yes. <laughs> listen, we're yes. holding a lot of people yes. accountable. No. They're, they're, we're, yeah. we're like, hey, listen, we're here backing you up as you're making your way up. So um, no, I, you know, what, what, with me, what you see is what you get. Um, and so we'll do another one, uh, you know, maybe a month after well, we look I'm in office. To it. And then you get to ask me all these same questions again. Well, maybe and, we could uh, do some Kubi Dead Night as well. Yes, definitely. Um, Kubi Dead. Yeah, no. We, yeah. Don't be afraid if we outcook you yeah. on that no, one. Yeah, no, no. Uh, we're getting Manny uh, Kush. We're gonna have some Tadik. <laughs> no, we're gonna have some Tadik. No, we're gonna no. have some. We're gonna we're gonna really like. I'll bring out some good tea, and you know we'll. Uh, We'll definitely enjoy Dom. each other's company. Do you guys, Dan, Dan is yes, that, yes, that's the yeah, tea, yes, right? That's yes, Bruce, yes. You don't, John, you don't scare us with a yeah. good time. No, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, geez. Guys, Mar- March 5th is election day. Uh, when you get your ballots in, very, very important. When you see Gascon on there, what you do is you go to your closest cabinet, you get a black Sharpie, and you just pl- draw a line right over it. And then when you see Jonathan Hatami, you take your pen, black pen, preferably. Don't get a blue pen, just in case. You know, you don't know what these election systems. Yeah, and all these, of a sudden, the blue doesn't oh, count. Blue doesn't work all of a sudden. And you bubble it in fully. Don't go outside the lines. Remember in kindergarten how we yeah. taught you guys? Scantron. Yes, yeah, Scantron <laughs> with a black pen. And what we're going to do is this. As we get closer to uh, election day, Guys, if you're not following us on social media, on Instagram and stuff, please do so. Because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing, I'm not kidding you, a step-by-step tutorial on how to freaking vote. And we're going to point out the people that we support and who will be good for society, for LA, as for Glendale, we understand it. As we understand it. And look, you have, I, I give you my word. And I, if you continue to vote these individuals into office, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. We've been doing this for five years. You guys have seen all the crap that we've been saying. It's literally come to fruition at this point. Yeah. So if you aren't following us, do please do so. Because when time comes for election, well, we are going to be helping every single one of you guys out as far as, you know, who the right people are to get into office. It's very, 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 very important. Um, that being said, John, we appreciate you taking time to be with us. Uh, and and the website is pinned on the comments, and yes. we'll have it in the body. I'm gonna have as it well. in the body on on. Yeah. Uh, it's it, the, today's episode will be on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all major platforms tomorrow. It'll be pinned in the body as well. If you guys are interested in uh, clicking on that, it'll direct you di- straight to his website. Uh, endorsements as well. Uh, I'm sorry, not endorsements. Donations. donations. Yeah. I'm sorry, donations as well. If you guys are interested in donating as well. It will be on the website. More information will be there. You could DM uh, Jonathan. They'll promptly respond as well. Uh, John, I want. I, I don't want to wish you luck because you don't need it. You're running against a schmuck. So uh, anything you need uh, as far as help with the campaign, 
feel free to reach out to the Wise Nuts as well. Everything that you've said on the show in the past two hours, we wholeheartedly agree with you. Even again, as a Democrat, doesn't ma- doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, I, I, can, I consider you guys my brothers. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I definitely am um, looking forward to uh, getting together in January and February. The election is March the 5th, 2024. We need people in our community to get out and vote uh, and actually get out and vote. If you really want to make a difference and make a change, uh, I want your vote. Uh, I want your support. You deserve, uh, you deserve and I need it. it. You deserve it. Thank 100%. you. And we'll be there for you. Thank, Thank you for joining us. You. Your heart is Appreciate truly in the you. right place, Thank you. man. It truly Thank is. You. And just sitting here for two hours and just discussing that with you, you proved a lot, man. Thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, guys, have a great week. Have a great weekend. As I mentioned, uh, today's show will be up on all major platforms tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. we got a very special guest, somebody who's long overdue, who hopefully doesn't flake on us. Well, he didn't flake. Well, legal matter. Legal matter. Legal, legal matter. Everything is everything is legal. Legal, legal, legal. Well, come legal. on, bro. You, Land you, the lawsuits. You're, you're you the, should know better than anyone. You're the new pundit on Fox News, so you should know. Guys, you we'll see you guys know. next week. <laughs> Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We love you all. Oh, man. You had to... Thank you.